Welcome to this edition of Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets. In this weekly show, you'll catch two fund managers who'll share their views on a selection of listed companies, both here and overseas. Hit the subscribe button on your podcast player to be notified of new episodes each week. And don't forget that all the views expressed are general in nature and you should seek your own advice before making any decisions of your own. That's all from me. Sit back, relax and enjoy the latest edition of Buy, Hold, Sell. Hello, I'm Hans Lee from Livewire Markets, and this is the thematic episode of Buy, Hold, Sell. Today, we're talking large caps, because these are the stocks that are often touted to best weather the ups and downs of the economic cycle. But which large caps are the cream of the crop right now? Let's probe those questions with Andrew McKee of Elston Asset Management and Rob Crookston of Wilson's. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Good to see you. Thanks, Thanks. One thing we associate often with uh, large caps is this whole idea about quality and quality investments. So I'm curious to hear from, from the both of you, and maybe Andrew, we'll start with you for this one. Are there any you know, specific metrics or standards that you use to evaluate quality? Yeah, we'd be guided by Porter's Five Forces when it looks, we look at quality. So if you think of that, what sort of business do we want to own? You know, dominant market position, unlikely to have a competitor, not easily substituted what they produce. You know, they've got dominance over their suppliers. They've got a diversified customer base. Yeah, if you've got all those attributes in terms of a business, we would say that is high quality. Um, and we would be prepared to pay a premium for that business, which is intuitive, makes sense. You know, you want to be in a position where you don't have any competition. You know, you don't ha- likely to have any competition going forward. And so we think that that leads to higher margins and more sustainable business longer term. All right, so Porter's Five Forces for Andrew. What do you guys use at Wilson's? Yeah, probably two different ways we look at it. We've got the quantitative methods, so strong balance sheets, um, high profitability, so it's you know, strong margins, um, high returns, invested capital. Then you've got your qualitative as well, so you know, the calibre of the management teams of the company, uh, the long-term strategy. You know, can these can this company grow its earnings over the cycle? And that's that's really the key as well. Uh, competitive advantage, uh, competitive position, also very important. So we try and tick a lot of those boxes when we think about stocks. Yep, understood. So given where we are in the cycle, Rob, what do you think are some of the, uh, the more appealing aspects of large caps right now? Well, I think there will still be this flight to quality over the next six to 12 months as we you know, see the economy uh, slow further from here. And as we spoke about really, large caps are normally more mature companies, um, typically a bit more resilient and, and probably tick a, bit more of those, a few more of those quality metrics that we spoke about earlier. Andrew, would you share that view? Yeah, I think um, dominant market position for us, which probably leads to, to pricing power. So, you know, you know, rising inflationary environment, you obviously got cost pressures as a business um, to be able to pass those uh, on as, uh, as price increases, maintain margin. They're, that's probably the key attribute at the moment of large cap. Okay, so equally then, what would you say is maybe the biggest risk or concern that investors should be aware of with large caps? Well, interrelated actually to pricing power. There's a point where you know, you, you increase prices so far that you actually undermine demand. So there, it's demand destruction, if you like. So if, if you're thinking about the end consumer or if a business is your end customer, uh, you might be able to sustain price increases for so long before you see that decay in your top line from a demand's perspective. So I think that is certainly a con- concern, especially as you go into rolling off GDP environment. And related to that, I think looming 
is, um, is regulatory risk, particularly around consumers. So if you're thinking something like insurance, insurance premiums, cost of living, regulatory oversight of particularly companies that have dominant market position, that's, that's likely to come out of this environment. What would you say, Rob, to that? It's not really a concern, but we do look outside the 100 for uh, better growth opportunities sometimes. Uh, we find that within the 100, there can be some crowded trades, especially those, you know, those sort of loved um, growth stories that you see in the 100. So we normally find there are better growth stories that are less crowded, so you buy them a better valuation outside the 100. So like to look outside at small caps as well. Okay. Well, of course, it's not just about what you buy, right? But it's also about the, the price you pay. So what metrics do you guys at, at Wilson's use to decide if now is a, is a good entry point for a stock or not? I guess you go for your, your classic earnings multiples. So price to earnings be one. But for us, it's about balancing earnings and earnings growth with that PE multiple. So we're happy to pay you know, for a, you know, a, a higher price or a higher multiple for a stock as long as it's coupled with higher growth over the medium term. So we're looking at PEs, but it's not the be all end all. It's, got to, it's all about growth as well. Yeah. Andrew, you were talking earlier about you know, paying up for a premium for you know, companies that you deem to be high quality enough. Yeah, I think by extension from what Rob was saying, it is we are a relative growth manager. We're style neutral. So um, we're happy to pay up for a business from multiple perspective if the, uh, the earnings are there to justify that. And so we, we, we would always look at businesses on that basis. Uh, we keep it pretty simple, you know, we're glorified valuers at the end of the day, so we value businesses out four years time. Um, we, we then work backwards to work out what the potential return is in today's dollars, both in terms of capital appreciation, dividend and franking credits. That drives our expected return and, um, and that really drives our relative decision making. So if we owned a company that had a negative relative return on that basis, obviously that would prompt us to make a a relative decision. So that's how we work. We're going to wrap this episode up now with a couple of stock picks. And what we're going to do is we're going to share some pairs of large caps with you both. And all you have to do is tell me which one you prefer and why. Andrew, I might stay with you for the first one. We'll talk about the big miners. You can have BHP with its 9% dividend yield or Rio with its 6% dividend yield. Which one do you prefer and why? We'd probably lean slightly towards Rio at the moment. Um, certainly both well diversified, certainly world class assets, world-class management, returns, margins, return on equity, cash flows, you know, you can tick all the boxes for both businesses. Uh, but at the moment, from an investor's perspective, we think on a relative valuation, we would lean towards Rio. Okay, so Andrew's going with Rio. Rob, do you share that view? Yeah, agree, both for high quality businesses, but probably lean towards BHP. And that's really due to the copper exposure in, in BHP. Uh, we're copper bulls. Uh, we expect there to be a, a strong and long copper cycle uh, to come ahead of us, uh, really driven from the energy transition. Um, and if you look at BHP, around about 40% of revenue uh, we expect to be from copper. And in FY24, about 20% uh, for Rio is, uh, is copper. So for us, BHP wins really on that, on that copper view. Okay, interesting. Rob, we'll go to the banks for, for you now. You can have Commonwealth Bank with its 4.25% dividend yield or you can have Westpac with its 6% dividend yield. What do you prefer and why? We'll go for Westpac, really on a valuation basis. I think CBA is one of the highest quality banks probably in the world, but it's also one of the most expensive. So we think CBA deserves a premium uh, relative to Westpac, but really that premium looks very stretched um, and has looked stretched, uh, stretched since the pandemic. Um, so really it's priced for perfection at the moment, going into what we think is quite a difficult environment for the banks. So. 
Uh, really, it's just West Bank on a valuation basis. Okay. Both banks have roughly about 2% net interest margin. What way are you going to fall on this, Andrew? Look, we're going to follow Rob into this one as well in terms of Westpac. Um, clearly, the franchise for Commonwealth Bank is, is excellent in terms of retail. Uh, return equity is much higher than Westpac. Um, but we don't think that that because it's quality that means Westpac is necessarily low quality either. And so I think justifying a 45% premium in terms of valuation on Westpac over CBA is really hard to, to get to that number. And so we'd be leaning towards Rob as well and, and going Westpac at the moment from a total return point of view. Okay. Tech stocks now. Andrew, you can pick between zero, which is up 40% year to date, or you can have Wise Tech, which is up something in the order of 90% year to date. Which one do you prefer and why? This is actually quite a simple one for us. We'd definitely go Wise Tech out of the two. For zero, really, if we look at it, it's to be honest with about their international division. I think domestic division is fine, um, fairly robust business, dominant sort of position in terms of accounting software, but their growth and expansion is inter international. And if you look at their churn rates versus domestic, if you look at their cost of acquisition of new clients internationally as well, if you look at the competitive context internationally, if you look at how much work they've got to do in terms of meet expectations of the market from an EBITDA margin, EBIT margin point of view, they've really got to deliver. Whereas WiseTech is already delivering. They've already got a great business. We see multiple pathways for them to continue to, to grow earnings. And although they're both premium businesses in terms of multiple to the market, uh, we think that WiseTech is worth the bet. It's uh, more justified in terms of multiple because of the risk. Interesting. All right, go with the company that's already delivering, I guess. Rob, what do you think? Would you go with zero or WiseTech? We're going to go with zero. Yep. We like both. We think they're great growth stories. For us, at zero, there's a few more levers that the management can pull at the moment. I think the first is pricing. So it's a pretty mature business in Australia and New Zealand. Um, for us, what zero offer, it's at a cheap price uh, per month. So we think there can be price increases and that can be above consensus. Um, the other lever is costs. The management have started to do that already. They're, they're balancing growth and profitability uh, better than probably the previous management were. Um, and that's something that we like. Uh, we think there can be more cost out. You know, we, we looked at sort of the, the cost for zero. Remember, 80% of those costs are what we call growth costs. Mm. I'm not saying that all of those are going to go, but we think there's substantial room really for more cost out in the business. Okay, all right. Healthcare next up for this pair. Rob, you can have Sonic Healthcare with a PE ratio of 16, trailing PE ratio of 16, or you can have the big one, CSL, with a trailing PE ratio of 61. For us, it's, it's CSL. We spoke about quality right at the beginning. It ticks all of those boxes. Been a bit of a hiccup um, with the downgrade last month. Um, that doesn't really deter us from CSL. I think it's a, a short-term hiccup. Really, consensus got ahead of itself. Um, so we still think, you know, we're still believers in the medium to long-term story on CSL. Uh, Sonic, I, I see it as a, a COVID winner, a COVID beneficiary. There's so much uncertainty in where the earnings are, are going to be for me uh, over the next couple of years after, you know, the sugar hit from COVID. Um, so I'd first go with CSL. Okay. Andrew, are you going to go the same way? Yeah, we would do the same. If you look at PEs, you know, you've got to look at the E. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at, um, at Sonic, you know, it's benefited a lot from COVID. It's a really COVID simple story between the two. COVID ben beneficiary in Sonic, particularly around laboratory and obviously pathology. And then you've got a COVID impacted business in CSL with a plasma division. So in terms of collections, in terms of cost of collections for plasma, um, COVID impacted. And then if you look at Vifor acquisition, uh, we see a clearer pathway for earnings growth from here over the next four years for CSL than, than Sonic. And so that's why we'd much prefer, especially after derating recently, 
um, CSL. Okay, interesting. Last pair is all about energy. Andrew, you can have Woodside with its 11% dividend yield, or you can have Santos, where of the 20 brokers that Market Index tracks, 19 of them rated as a buy. Woodside or Santos? We've got both in the portfolio because okay. we do like we do like the energy transition um, baseload generation demand for LNG uh, globally, and we think that's a long-term thematic. So uh, both of those are good. But if we had to choose, it would be, pardon the pun, on the side of Woodside. Um, we think uh, more diversified, uh, better returns. If you look at their their margins, their return on capital, their cash flows. Um, their, their gearing, so their balance sheet strength as well, is superior to Santos. Uh, I think the assets are simpler to understand. Uh, so if we had to lean, had to choose, we'd go Woodside. Okay. Rob, do you feel the same way? Yeah, Woodside, yeah, like Andrew, like the, the long-term thematic for gas and LNG. For us, Woodside at the moment, they're balancing their production growth and their return um, you know, of, of capital to shareholders. We're seeing that with the dividend yield last year. Um, I think they're managing that balance better than Santos, and that's why I think it's, it's, that's the reason why it's outperformed over the last 12 to 18 months. Okay, Rob Crookson from Wilson's and Andrew McKee there from Elston Asset Management. And thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed that episode of Buy, Hold, Sell, why don't you subscribe to our YouTube channel and give us a like. And of course, subscribe to the Livewire Markets and Market Index websites. We'll see you next time for another Buy, Hold, Sell. Thanks for listening to Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets, Australia's number one source of expert investment analysis and insights. Register for free online at livewiremarkets.com and you'll discover more exclusive investing articles, videos and podcasts.